0: Aren't you thankful for that this evening? Jesus died, but he rose again. Hallelujah. Let's just go to him in prayer. Father, what a great privilege we have tonight to assemble ourselves, Lord, in the presence of the Almighty, the one who formed and fashioned our bodies, our lives, Lord, the journey in which we're on on this side of eternity. Father, we're looking to you tonight for strength. We're looking to you tonight, oh God, that you would give the inspiration to be able to speak words of life to your people, Lord. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for this message that you have given us, Lord. Lord, I thank you that our hearts have been turned back to the faith of the fathers. I thank you, God. This is nothing to do with man, but it's everything to do with you, Lord. And we just ask that you would come by our way this evening. Lord, we feel your presence already here. Father, we thank you that, Lord, there's talents and there's gifts in this body. They're able to step in when others are away. Lord, they'll be able to come and, Lord, fulfill the role that is needed so that we can have service. We can continue to worship a living God. Father, how thankful we are tonight. So, Lord, I just pray that you're blessed to people. May you bless the giving and the receiving of the word tonight for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Job chapter 1 and we'll look here in verse 6 and as you're turning there just want to say it's great to be back home. Not everybody say amen. Amen. Well my family and I are glad to be back home with you whether you're glad or not. It is good to be back home. We had Thanksgiving dinner or Thanksgiving vacation there in Arizona with uh, Sister Rachel and Brother Craig, Sister Anna, their family, Sister Helen and so we had a wonderful time. We got to visit the Grand Canyon which was majestic and marvelous. If you hadn't seen it Go see it; it's amazing. We we spoke there last Sunday, the Sunday before last, uh, at Tucson Tabernacle. Had two tremendous services there for the believers, and they seemed to be really blessed. And so it was just good to to be able to do that, and to get away for a little bit. But I'm glad to be home. I'm glad to be back here this evening with you. It falls our lot to minister tonight. And I'll tell you, uh, Brother Aaron, I'll have something to tell you after the service. And the reason how I came to this thought this evening is I have been praying, Lord, what would you give us to speak on? And I was given a dream Thursday night, Thursday week ago. And the Lord just kind of woke me up out of that dream with this thought. So, And I want to speak to you tonight. <clears throat> I know some of you may be tired of God doing impossible math. But when something ever is made real to you, you can't get tired of it. Because I'm going to tell you, God does the impossible. And in my world, evolves around math, but in this aspect, it's about solutions to our problems. And so I want to speak to you, God's purpose will never be defeated. God's purpose. Now, I want you to make that personal to you tonight. God's purpose for my life will not be defeated. So we're going to look here in Job in 1 and verse 6. It says, Now, there was a day when sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. You know, that's just how it is. You go and you want to present yourself to God, and yet Satan's there, and he's dragging up your past, dragging up your mistakes, dragging up your failures, accusing you of this, accusing you of that. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord, and he said... And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And Satan answered the Lord and said, doeth Job fear God for not? Otherwise does he serve you because your hand is upon him? And many times that's the question that we have to answer for ourselves. You know, what's our rationale for serving God? Many people want to say, well, God's blessed you, and that's the reason why. But what happens when God removes the hedge from your life and allow the enemy to attack you? Will you serve God then? <clears throat> Can I get a little bit more volume up here if you don't mind? Has thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and all about that he has on every side? And thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his abundance or his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath. And he will curse thee to thy face. Notice, this is what Satan is telling God. You touch him. You let me take him. And you let me touch him. You let me do this. And he's going to curse you. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. You can be seated this evening. Whoever, give me down just a tad bit. So we find here in this scripture reading, and we're all very familiar with the life of Job, and I'm not going to try to hold too long on that tonight. But there again, I want to speak on God's purpose for your life, or God's purpose will never be defeated. And I believe if we can come to that consolation and that revelation as a believer tonight, then there's nothing that we would fear. And I'm going to speak to you from personal experience tonight because I'm telling you, Things are tough. We're all our accused. We're all our attack. We're all going through our trials. We all have our struggles. Your struggle is different than my struggle. My struggle is different than your struggle. Brother Aaron's struggle is different from our struggle. I mean, we all have struggles. But yet, it's a living God that we serve. And I wonder sometimes, do we get so discouraged and we find ourselves kind of in this situation. And we find the devil and God having a conversation regarding your life. And guess what? He didn't invite you to the conversation. God and Satan's having a, an, an argument, if we want to call it that, over your life, who you are. Satan says that he won't serve you if, his hand, if God removes his hand from you. But God is saying, you know what? He will serve me no matter what you bring on my servant, no matter what the situations they face, no matter how hard the trials get, they'll serve me. Yes. So we find that, that God is asking Satan, though, have you considered my servant Job? Now, how many would raise your hand? Look, oh, Satan... Please pick me. No negative. But God is saying. Have you considered. Have you observed? Look at my servant down there in Laodicea. Look at his life. Look where he's at. He's in the midst of middle school teaching a bunch of a bunch of little scallywag kids and yet he's living a testimony or he's there at the hospital, 500 other employees. And many say that, that his life models a Christian example when he could get by with this and that yet he's exemplifying Christ in every avenue. But what happens to the believer when God pulls back his hands from? his life will he serve you Satan says he won't Satan says you won't but God stands up and says yes he will Let me tell you, that's nothing that, that we can merit ourselves. God has done something. God has deposited something on the inside of a believer. When you want to give up, when you want to throw in the towel, when you want to quit, there's something resonating inside of you. I can't quit. I didn't start this work. I can't stop this work. And Satan didn't start this work. Therefore, he can't stop it. But we find here this word defeated means to be demoralized And overcome by adversity to be overcome in a contest election or a battle maybe next Wednesday I'm gonna speak of thought on unbroken and this is where it all came from is a thought about unbroken because many times we find that our lives are so we think brother and that we're broken people and yet God takes the broken pieces and begins to put them back together but I want you to know you're not broken and you won't be defeated but many times we find ourselves asking, why me? How many of you be honest tonight? You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you have been in your trial and you asked a question? Why me? Now can I get a little bit better, amen than that? Amen. All right, good. Well, Brother L's with me tonight. He's been there. Amen. We all have been there. And Brother B will say like this: sometimes you may be sitting out there with cancer. Or you might be sitting with a disease. And you think, why me? Being a Christian, what being this way? Why me being a Christian would be in this way? What? He goes, why would I be sitting like this if I'm a Christian? Sometimes God lets you, listen now, sometimes God lets the things get so dark that you can't see around you or anywhere else. Then he comes and he makes a way for you. God allows things in our lives to get so dark, so bleak, so grim. But then he steps on the scene and he makes a way for you so that he can be a personal God. So you're not relying on your human abilities or you're not relying on somebody else's ability. You're relying on God. But a man makes a statement and I know he says now Satan had touched Job for a purpose. He touched Job for a purpose to try him because he and God had a debate. And God told Satan that I've got a servant on the earth. There's none like him. Whatever I say to him, he'll do it. He's a perfect man and he's a just man. And Satan said, if you'll let me have him, I'll make him curse you to his face. I love how the prophet of God steps back into that. And it begins to tell us about that conversation. Because I can just imagine he's had that same conversation about you. Every real, true, born-again son and daughter of God. I believe there's been a debate had in heaven concerning you and your life and where you are on your journey that's here on earth. And we find Satan said, if you'll let me have them, I'll make them curse you to your face. But Job, not knowing all these things were going on, he brought to the patriarch in his deep distress. Yet somehow... When all was gone from him, he maintained his position in Christ. And he said amongst his de- his difficulties, when all his buddies had walked away from him, he lost his children. He lost his wealth. He had no money. His wife become a nagging hag. Job, won't you just curse God and die? But yet Job kept his eyes on the promise. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And at the last days of the skinworms destroy this body, I'm going to see him. Oh, yeah. I'm going to see the one I preached about. I'm going to see the one that I lived for. I'm going to see the one that turned my heart back to the faith. I know my Redeemer liveth. I got a personal revelation that I met God. And God met me. And no matter what I go through on this earth, nothing can defeat the purpose of God. See, we're not privy to the conversation. But Satan was adamant that he'll get you you. To curse God if he allows the heads to be removed from your life but God was adamant I got a people I got a people in Laodicea I got sons I got daughters in Laodicea in the darkest hour no matter what you do Satan you don't have enough right. They're gonna serve me. They're gonna live for me. They're gonna overcome in the most wicked age. Young boys are gonna overcome pornography. Young girls are gonna rise above fear, anxiety, and depression. Let me tell you, mamas and daddies are gonna overcome sickness in their body. There's gonna be sons and daughters that defeat cancer in this hour. Oh, nothing can stop the purpose of God. No matter the test, no matter the accusations. No matter the loss of loved ones. No matter the sickness that ravaged his body. Or the prodding of his wife. To curse God. No matter how great the trial was. Job remained unbroken. And God's purpose for his life wasn't defeated. See God had a purpose. And sometimes the purpose of God can only be displayed When you're in the midst of the greatest struggle of your life. But notice now, in the message, God in His Word, Satan had told God, I will make him curse you to your face. Could you imagine a face to face conference with God and life has been so bad that you curse God? Why did you bring me here? Why did you put me in this family? Why did you do this? Why God? Why God? Why God? But notice what God says. You can't do it. God says is a refute to Satan's accusation against you. You can't make them curse me. You want to know why? The prophet of God says because God has confidence in you. God had confidence in Job. God knew what he deposited in Job's life before the foundation of the world. It would hold Job in the midst of his greatest struggle. And I'm going to tell you tonight, God has deposited something inside of you. It ain't just something, but it's a seed germ of life. And there ain't enough devils. There ain't enough sickness. There ain't enough trials that you go through that can stop the life god done this and god's got confidence that that which he planted inside of you will flourish and come to fruition god has called hallelujah church I don't know who this is for tonight, but I want you to know God's got confidence in you. You may, be, you may be at your breaking point, but let me tell you, you can't bend. You won't break. You can't be defeated because why? God has done this work. God deposited something on the inside of you. Oh, glory, hallelujah, tonight. We're unbreakable, we're unshakable. God has confidence. In you. As I was studying this, I just began to rejoice. Thank you, Lord. Because I needed this. I needed a reminder. No matter what I'm going through. God's purpose for my life will not be defeated. See, many times we go through our hardships, we go through our struggles, we have our trials. And we think, well, that's just God punishing me. I must have done this. He must not forgive me. But see, trials are not God's way of punishing you. Trials are God's way of saying, I got confidence in you, Brother Johnny. I got confidence in you. Therefore, I'm going to bring you. Notice, I'm going to bring you through this trial. God didn't let you go through the trial alone. But he's there. Every step of the way. God's got confidence, brother Ben, in you. Oh, I just love that. He's got confidence that he's got sons and daughters of a God that will remain unbroken. Though they're tested, they're pushed to the limit, they're going to remain faithful. See, he knows that he's placed something there. And he'll keep us at every turn of the road. God's there. He's to keep us. When your friends have turned their back on you, when everyone's cursing you and sicknesses ravaged your body, when doubts are assaulting your mind, when you feel like quitting and giving up, there's something that we're tied to, people. We're tied to an anchor. That anchor is not your human ability. It's not your human intellect. It's the word of God. It's an absolute. It's a tie post. It's an anchor. For when the storm comes, as long as that anchor is holding and grabbed hold of something that's irremovable, That may not even be a word, but it will be tonight. But he's grabbed onto something that can't be moved. Yet the storms may well and the, the seas may well up and it seems like the boat is going to capsize. Something is holding you. Notice, you're not holding on to him. He's holding on to you. And as long as great Jehovah God, Papa God has got a hold of you, there ain't enough devils in hell. There ain't enough storms out of torment that can come. It may shake you, but it won't break you. It may try you, but it won't defeat you. Because God God has got his hands on his leg. God has got his hands on his bride. But Abraham says when trials and troubles and heartaches and disappointments set in something holds not you holding something's holding you. See it isn't a question whether I held on or not. It's a question whether he held on. Oh I love that. See it isn't me looking or it isn't looking at me it's looking at him. He was the one. And let me just tell you, God didn't call you to lose you. And God didn't hold you to let you go. God's selfish. He holds you and he pulls you. He don't want Satan to have anything to do with you. But he allows allow you to be shaken. he allows allow you to be tried so that you have a deeper consecration to him. Notice now, Satan could not kill Job with bulls. And troubles until the purpose of God had been finished. Neither could he rely to eat Daniel until God's purpose had been finished. Neither could death of an old age take Abraham until the purpose of God had been finished. And neither can it take you. Or it can take me until the purpose of God of my life is finished. So Satan can't destroy the purpose of God. Only when God says, I'm done. That he can come on the scene and take that life. And notice it's only the life natural, not supernatural. He can't touch that. All he can do is take this life to the grave. But there's a power that's going to raise his life out of a grave. He can't stop that purpose. And he knows it. That's why he's on the how. That's why he's attacking. That's why you've been tried. That's why because he knows he's got a short window of time. Notice now, after all the turmoil, everything was over, God had taken all his sheep, his cattle, his horses, and things. Then at the end of his chastisement or purging, God doubled to him. If he had had 10,000 cattle, he'd give him 20,000. He goes, isn't it marvelous? God purged Job for the purpose of blessing him. Now, who's ready for a trial? Oh, I got no hands. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> all of us. Yeah. But see, God allowed Job to be purged so that he could bless him and pour out himself in a greater fashion. Job may have never understood God that way unless he had been through the trial that he was in. And you will never understand you will never comprehend God in, some, in, in, in just a normal way unless you've been through the struggles of life. When you have a knife up to your throat and a man telling you, give him all your money. You'll never understand how God is so real and that he's a protector until you've been in that moment. There's no fear when the angel is there. I'm telling you, church, sometimes God allows these things to come upon us just so he can express himself in a greater way. So don't look at your trials and your hardships and your disappointments as God punishing you. Now get ready for the blessing. I said get ready for the blessings Notice, brother Bram said now on the approach to God he said Job restored back double God gave him double what he had purged him and restored him I say come on God do the restoring start pouring out your blessings I've been in a battle for three years now I'm ready to get get on the other side I've seen the darkness I've seen the, the, the weariness of the journey but Lord I've got my eyes on my promise I know that you can't fail I know that you call me and if you call me you elected me and if you elected me you justify me and if you justify me oh God you've already glorified me that tells me there ain't enough devils in hell can stop the move of God it cannot stop the plan of God you're here this evening and you got sickness in your body I'm here to tell you God is ready to restore God is ready to bless God is ready to pour himself out and give you that healing that you so desire Because that's the kind of God that He is. He allows you to go through struggles so that He can pour out His blessing. Why do you get sick? So He can be a healer. Why do we have lost loved ones? So that He could be a Savior. See, the purpose of God stands in election. We look here in Romans 9 and verse 6 not as though the word of God had taken an effect for they are not all Israel which are Israel neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children but in Isaac shall the seed be called that is they which are the children of the flesh these are not the children of God but the children of the promise are counted for seed for this is the word of promise at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son Notice he gave a promise to Abraham and to Sarah. Sarah's going to have a son. He named her in the promise. Otherwise, he had a purpose. Now, I want you all to stay with this because we're going to end with Abraham and Sarah. He had a purpose for Sarah's life. And Sarah is the type of the church. And he's got a purpose for the church. But notice... At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca also conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Not of works, but of Him that calleth. So the purpose of God according to... To election not your election not my election not man's election not some church election not the president's election not the, the police jury's election but God's election the purpose of God according to God's own election and that word purpose means the reason for which something exists the reason that it is made the reason that it is used the reason that it is done and I'm here to tell you God has a specific purpose for for your life a specific purpose a reason in which he made you and formed you and he's allowed you to hear the word of God for this hour because let me tell you church there's hundreds of thousands of people millions around the world tonight that don't have the opportunity to hear the great grand glorious message that we get to hear twice three four times a week because why because God had purposed in your life to raise up seed to Abraham I say, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord tonight. It ain't all those that are seen natural, but seen supernatural that are counted. And think about this from Rebecca. Brother Bam will say she's a godly, consecrated virgin woman. And here come Esau, an evil man. And here come his brother, a just man. Jacob, though his name meant supplanter. And you would have thought, Brother Bram said, Esau was just as religious as the supplanter was. There was something that was deposited in that Oshanivan supplanter that he longed for the birthright. You would have looked at him and said, there ain't no hope. Because all you're doing is looking through the eyes of man God was looking beyond the veil and he looked at what he planted inside of it and he says I have a purpose I got a purpose for that old supplanter I got a purpose and yet we find through Rebecca's womb come two seeds. One of a good lineage and the other of a bad lineage. And the prophet of God, or Paul would tell us, before either one was born, God, according to election, he already called Jacob to a throne or called Jacob to a position. And the prophet of God will say he was a prophet to the age. Oh, let me tell you, church, God knows who will serve him. God knows who won't serve him. And you may ask yourself, why am I the only one in my family that serves God? Because God, according to election, has all has a purpose for your life. God has called you, God has elected you, and God is here to anoint that election. See, God calls by election. It lays in his election. It lays in God alone. Thankfully, Brother Aaron had nothing to do with my salvation. And thankfully, I didn't have anything to do with his. And he said, "Ooh, buddy, (laughs) thankfully, thankfully that our salvation is not dependent upon what you think about us or what we think about one another, but it's all about God and God's forward So happy shall we be tonight to know that we've been called. How many know you've been called? Man, you've been called. Oh, but Brother Joe, I'm in a battle. But you've been called... Well, so Joe, you don't understand what I'm going through, but you've been called. And he says that those for all things work together to them. All things work together to them that love God. He didn't say it was pleasant. He didn't say it was a flowery bed. He, he didn't say that it was going to be warm. You're going to enjoy every moment of it. But he says all things work together for the good. Yeah. Your trial is working for your good. Your sickness is working for your good. Your situation is working for your good. So that God can display in your life the purpose by which you are here. Notice all things work together for the good to them that love God. To, to them who are what? The called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28 Notice called according to His purpose. For whom he did foreknow- had foreknowledge of, he predestinated you. So he predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. I'm trying to nail it down for you tonight. You've been in a struggle, but I want you to know Satan doesn't have enough because God had called you because you was in the foreknowledge you was in the back part of God's mind and God predestinated for you to be here sitting on this pew in this service tonight so that you can get encouragement by the word of God that no matter what you're going through all things are working for your good and the devil don't have enough he can't touch you unless God removes his hand from your life and if God has removed his hand from your life it's only declaring that he's got confidence in the product God has has confidence and in what he's placed inside of you. Yes, sir. But notice now God predestinated us by his foreknowledge. Justified us though we never done anything wrong in the beginning. And then he glorifies us. That tells me church. There's a rapture in store for the believer. Because we're not glorified on this side. We're justified on this side. But one breath out of this life, we're glorified in his presence. Amen. And we find there by foreknowledge, God begins to predestinate us and form us into his image. And he calls us and ensures us that nothing can defeat the purpose of God. Because we have already been seen in a glorified state. My, my, my. Sure makes the trial a little bit sweeter now, doesn't it? Man, I can breathe a little bit. Sometimes you don't know the answer. But God still does impossible math. He still has a solution. He still is on the scene. We find here in Ephesians 1 and verse 11. In whom also we have attained an inheritance. Notice being predestinated according to the purpose of him. Who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8. Be not... Thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. So God has a purpose for calling you. God has a purpose. God has a purpose of moving you to a certain place. So that you can blossom and bloom. Not to say that you wouldn't blossom somewhere else, but it's the right atmosphere. It's the right amount of sunlight, the right amount of soil, the right amount of dampness, everything just right for that specific seed to blossom. And we find God doing these things, so we all have a purpose. How many are here tonight? That should be everybody. Yes, we're all here. So we all have a purpose. We all have a reason for existing. Oh, praise God. I know some of you were sweating that, wasn't you? You, were, you just was in limbo. You didn't know what your purpose. You know, you find young people come up. I just want to know, brother Joe, what my purpose in life is. Now let me just ask you adults, we've all have been there, right? Come on, let me get a little bit better, Amen, for the young people than that. Amen, we've all. God, what's my purpose? Your purpose, here it is, newsflash, big and bold, write it down, is to be a son and daughter of God. That's your purpose. You may not write mathematical equations that's going to solve the world problems. You may never feed the hungry and go solve a a pandemic. You may not be the mastermind behind the vaccine that's going to eradicate COVID-19. That may not be your calling. That may not be your purpose. But I can tell you what, your purpose is to serve a living God and let His life manifest through you to become the Word made flesh in the darkest, most wicked hour. There's going to be somebody that's going to live for Him. They're going to over come in the most wicked age they're going to stand every test they're going to weather every storm they're going to be shaken they're going to bend but they're not going to break because the purpose of God for their life cannot, will not and shall not be defeated oh that's your purpose young person that's our purpose in this life is to serve a living God and let that living God live through your life and perchance you may win a soul for him By your life, not even preaching, just living a testimony. Just living a testimony. So we all have a purpose. God made you. As much as I would like to, I can't add one cubic to my stature. I can't add hair back to my head. I would love to be as tall as Brother Aaron. Yeah, he winked at me, good looking, tall, dark, and handsome. I'm short, stubby, and Joe. But you know what? There's a scripture in the Bible that says, Joe, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you that way for a purpose. God fashioned you, your makeup, your passion, your zeal, your excitement, your emotion, your enthusiasm for a purpose. I struggled with that for many years. I wanted to be an eloquent preacher. Maybe a historian like Brother Aaron. I don't have it. I wish I did at times, but God has a purpose for each of our lives. And we all had different gifts, different ministries. So you have a reason for existing. You have a reason for being here tonight. And I hope and I pray that you're being encouraged through the ministering of the word tonight. Because you know what? We all face our trials. And sometimes you don't have anybody you can lean on. Maybe you don't want to share those things with somebody. But God knows. God knows. God's mindful. So in the midst of the darkest hour, God said, I'm going to have a bride. And she's going to be made up of this, 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 and this. There's going to be young boys. There's going to be young girls. They're going to overcome in a wickedest age. are going to be mamas and daddies. There's going to be grandparents. There's going to be a church. There's going to be churches in, in harmony. There are going to be biracial churches where they're not worried about creed, color, this, that, and the other. We come under one headship, and that's the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have fellowship. We have all things in common, one with another. And he is that common denominator. He is our strength. He is our rock. He is our top post. He is our everything. Everything. And notice you are his purpose. Little and you in Minden, Louisiana, or Homer, Louisiana, or Halton, Louisiana, are the purpose of God. God's purpose is you. Ooh. And you think he's gonna let the devil defeat his purpose? There ain't no way. Hey, look at Ron Spencer. Let's just talk about him for just for a minute. Because you know what? Let's just think about it. If there ever was a Job on this side of eternity outside of Job, put Ron Spencer, Job must have been about five foot six. Had white hair at one time. You know, I mean, the man was burnt. The man fell off a roof. Broke his back. Wasn't supposed to walk again. Walked out of the hospital the same night. He done got bit by a snake. I mean, come on, really? got struck by lightning I mean the list just keeps going on and on lost his children lost his well man he got hit with this hit with this with this with this and yet in the face of the enemy around the world for two years he's been battling cancer and every time he stands behind that pulpit it's not a dreeping, dreary message he's encouraging the people oh if I can do it you can too because the same God that I serve you can serve he's here and and you got a purpose and god is displaying through ronald dean spencer and the majestic gift that i've got a people no matter how bad it gets no matter how dark it gets no matter how much cancer is running through his body they're gonna serve me satan you don't have enough my purpose will never be defeated oh glory to god tonight church that's why you're here To prove to the devil that the purpose of God for your life will never be defeated. Oh my. Now notice. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Verse 14, John 1. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And Brother Bram will tell us and what think you of Christ. See, he said, a word is a thought expressed. A word is a thought. So you got to have that thought before you speak it. And when you speak it, it becomes a word. And there's times and we wish we would have never spoke our thought. And then there are times that you missed your opportunity to speak your thought. Because he said, whatsoever things you say when you pray, if you believe, then you can have whatsoever things you say. There's times. When you're sitting there in the presence of God begins to move and nudge you. Maybe to speak in tongues. Maybe to dance or maybe to run. And you sit there and you clamp down because that's not your nature. You missed your opportunity to be used of God. God's trying to pour out a blessing. But that ain't how I act in church, Lord. God ain't worried about how we act in church. He's coming by your way to restore he's coming by your way so that he can bless you oh my don't you don't quench the spirit when he's coming now I'm not saying we're all going to be a radical Irradical. radical emotional jumping over pews you See that Pentecostal video of that guy swinging his jacket around he, run and he jumps into the baptistry that's not us I'm not talking about that But I'm talking about when the Spirit of God moves by your altar or by your pew and He nudges you and you feel that nudge. Not everybody feels that. That's a special moment, it's a special opportunity. Take notice of it, respond, yield yourself to the moving of the Spirit. You have to yield yourself. So now, that thought, before it could be a thought or a word, it has to be a thought. And when God thinks anything, then when he expresses his thought, it becomes a signed document. And everything that God is worth and everything that God is, is behind that word. And you that are sitting here tonight are the very thoughts of God expressed. You are the very thoughts of God express i'm going to get into some of that here. god cannot say anything and ever take it back that's why we base our hopes upon god because god being infinite he cannot change and if if i can say anything he goes excuse me if i can say something today tomorrow i may think different you know tomorrow may wake up on the wrong side of the bed i know none of y'all have ever done that right he wake up you know You went to bed. Oh, honey, I love you. You're the best thing that ever hit the earth. Next morning, you got old crabbed spirit. Get out of my way, woman. I ain't never done that. Thank God. A frying pan probably wouldn't look too sweet on my poor little head. But we find if we can think one thing one day and we can completely change because of situations. It alters our mood. Not everybody say amen at once. It alters our actions. Those struggles being rubbed. Oh, my. Nobody likes to be rubbed. But how do you ever get a diamond? How do you ever get a pearl? How do you ever get something so costly? It takes the friction of this life to rub on you, to rub on you, and to move upon you. And it makes you just grit your teeth. But what is God doing? He is forming. He is moving. And he is expressing a thought. His thought. His purpose. I'm going to make them the apple of my eye. Ooh. Some of y'all want to be an apple. Some of you looking at me like you're a bunch of pears. No, but God, everything that he has done has been with you in mind every preacher he has ever sent into this church has been with you in mind. Every message that you've ever pushed play on has been with you in mind. Every time you've ever felt his presence is because he wants to be a personal God to you. See, we we base our hopes upon God. God can't change. When God says it, that settles it. And if God thought of you, it settles. As God has declared he's got a purpose for your life, it settled. But Brother Bramwell will say, people get scared. See, what are you scared about? Those who he foreknow, he called. Those who he called, he justified. Those who he justified, he had already glorified. What are you scared about? Just take a hold of God like little children and hold on to it and believe God your Father. He loves you. He's done everything he could to redeem you. He's done everything he could to redeem you. You're here for a purpose. God in the beginning when he thought of you. Notice now what he says here. This is a future home. God in the beginning when he thought of you and thought of others like that. thought He thought of himself being tangible. See that was his thoughts. He expressed his thoughts by the word. He said let there be. Let there be and there was. Let there be and there was. So when God thought of you he saw himself as the high priest that you can come to and touch him and be healed of your afflictions and your infirmities. See, he saw himself as one that you can come to and lay down your petitions and knowing that the God that you serve will take up your petition and take up your calls and respond with the appropriate answer you come in with a sick body and you say God I need you to touch me and you can believe and have confidence because he was going to be the high priest and he said by my stripes you are already healed I have already took care of your sickness I've already took care of the situation I've already provided for you an answer when you can't can't figure it out with your finite mind me myself almighty God has already purposed a plan for your life and I'm in a even like Tabernacle, there ain't enough devils in hell can stop the move of God, can stop the plan of God, can stop the purpose of God. And when God thought of you, he thought of himself being tangible. He wanted to be touched. So what did he do? He left all of glory and came down and became an intercessor. He became the kinsman redeemer. Because it had to be the closest kin. And he became the closest kin. He took on the form of sinful flesh. So that he could redeem sinful flesh. And bring it back to the state in which he first had that thought. Brother Bam says, now there was something inside of him at the beginning. That he drew a mental picture of. And he's talking about Michelangelo. Now notice this. Because it applies to God and us. He says he drew a mental picture of what he thought Moses ought to look like. And when he seen that reflected before him, the very thing that he had in his mind, what he thought Moses should look like, and he carried that vision. Notice, he never let the vision of Moses die. He kept it in front of him, and every time he went back he'd chip away here and he'd chip away there And he will ascend a little bit here and he will send a little bit there and he will rub a little bit here And he will rub a little bit there. What was it? He was all in the motion It was all with a purpose to fit what was in his image And I'm gonna tell you why do you go through trials? Why do you go through struggles? It's God's way of chipping here and chipping there and sending here and sending there because what God has thought of you in his Mind, but for the foundation of the world, God in this side of eternity is making it come to light. See, that's the way it is with God. He took a picture of you at your best. Some of you are like, "Can I please see the picture?" See, He took a picture. When you was at your best, maybe 16, 17, 20 years old, at your best, he says, when it was taken before there was a foundation of the world, before he blew out the stars, he had already taken your picture. Oh, my. And you think you just some nobody? You think God don't care about you? No, before God formed the earth, in one, one, one message, Brother Bram talks about he knew what you would like, so he created mountains. He knew some of you would like beaches, so he created beaches. Because he knew what was inside of you, because God formed you. He already had that thought. And that's why you're here in this hour only displaying the thoughts of God. He goes, I don't care what they would do to you or with you, they cannot destroy that profile. See, Moses had an image in his mind. And nobody could destroy that image out of Moses' mind. Oh, they made Moses, you want to do this? You want to do this? Moses was set on the image that was before him. They can destroy the image that was in Moses' mind. And I'm going to tell you, and no devil, no situation can destroy the image and the purpose from which God has you in his mind. You may not look the part now. You may get up and you may see, oh, I did this and I did that. But God is still chipping. God is still sanding. God is still rubbing. God is still working. Because God is determined that nothing will defeat his purpose for your life. And you will fit that picture in the end. And he says, this is only the negative. This life is only the negative. One day, it's going to be made manifest. What we really were intended to be. Oh, I love that. God Almighty, who in the beginning, before there was a day or a dawn, for there's an atom or a molecule, God in his mind had man What a man should look like, what he should be, and what he should act like. And he wanted that man to be a part of him. So he made him in his image, in his likeness. He created him. And when God in the beginning made this masterpiece, something that reflected his thoughts. That's what you are. That's your purpose is to reflect the thoughts of God. Now, let me start winding this down lean not to your own understanding. If you were in the foreknowledge of God, then you are becoming a part of God. If you were in the foreknowledge of God, then you are becoming a part of God. And the only way you can be a son and daughter of God, you had to be a part of God. And God isn't complete without you. Did you hear that church? I don't believe that was a prophet telling you that. I believe that was almighty God telling you that. That I'm not complete without you. You are my purpose. And nothing will defeat my purpose. See, God had a secret in his mind. God knew what he was going to do. He knew how many ages. He knew how many messengers. He knew it all. He knew it was no surprise to God that we would be here in this hour. I'm not talking about the service tonight. But in this hour. They can't make their decision about the vaccine. They can't make their decision about this. And a political turmoil, the entire world is enveloped in such chaos, questions, doubts, fears, anxieties. And yet God says, I got a people. I got a people. I got a people with a purpose, with a plan. So I'm going to raise them right out of it. When they least expect it. I'm going catch him away. Notice now, Colossians 1 and verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should the fullness dwell, or all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him. I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Amen. Twenty-two years I've drifted. I wanted to serve God at times, but I couldn't because I just couldn't break my will. But finally, God broke that will and his purpose came to light. But Brother Brown says in Christ's mystery, he said God's secret mystery he had before the world began. In the back part of God's mind, there was something that he was trying and he was going to achieve. And he had a motive in doing it in order to let himself be Express. We'll pick, more on, more, we'll pick up more on this next week as I come back. But we want to end here with Abraham's life. Because we can see God through the life of Abraham and Sarah hit a mystery. Sometimes God gives you a promise. You're like, man, God, why'd you wait so long? I could have done this when I was 16. God called Abraham when he was 70. Think about it. Called him out of the land of Ur-Chaldeans. But the man said he, he wasn't any better than anybody else. But God by his sovereign grace and election. By his sovereign grace and his. And that's why you are here tonight. There's enough people around this area to fill every space on these pews. But God by election called you. God, by his sovereign grace, elected you. So don't take it for granted, your position in the body. It should make you thankful, more so than ever. God, thank you. But he said, Abraham, not being any better than anybody else, but, but God's sovereign grace and election called Abraham according to election. He says, nothing that Abraham was, not that Abraham was any better than anyone else. Don't even say that he was a believer in the beginning, but God with his unmerited grace, Abraham was saved. And not only was he saved, but when God called Abraham, he saved him and gave him his covenant unconditionally. Nothing that Abraham had to do to merit God's favor. He says, he didn't say, Abraham, now if you do a certain thing, I'll do this. He says, you'll have to do this. He says, now... You will come to me in an old age in peace right now, 70-something years before it happened. God said, I've already saved you, and not only you, but your seed after you. And Abraham, being 75 years old, and Sarah, 65 years old, 25 years past menopause, he lived with her since she was a young girl, young lady. They'd been married, and they were not fertile. And God told Abraham, you're going to have a child by Sarah. Well, that's impossible. Impossible. She's sixty. How many of you are sick? Don't you raise your hand? I'm just gonna not even ask that question. I remember one time I was preaching a youth meeting. Sister Margaret Coleman was in the service, and I was giving them pickup lines. I said, Oh, you got a band-aid? Because I scraped my knee for falling for you. She come out and pulled a band-aid out. I'm like, well, you wasn't supposed to respond quite like that. But that band-aid is in my Bible till this day. And I hold it as a testimony. Amen. But we find here, 65 years old. If God was going to do something, why didn't he do it when she was in the spring of life? 18 to, we'll go to 30. Well, we better go to 35. Some of y'all were like, I ain't married yet. At least bump it up five. Five. If God was going to do anything, why did he, why is he waiting? Because it's going to be more of a miracle. See, I can see Abraham get up in the morning after God him the promise. How you feeling, Sarah? Oh, no different, Abraham. I feel like I did yesterday. No different. Everything's the same. A few months passed. Well, honey, how do you feel? Well, Abraham, I'm the same. I'm not feeling any different. I ain't got no goosebumps. I ain't got no stomach kicks. I'm not vomiting and all those things. A couple years passed. Well, honey, how you feeling? Well, I still feel the same. You know, a few more years passed. Abraham staggered out at the promise of God through unbelief. God gave the promise. God gave the promise. Abraham had his eyes on the promise. Here he comes. Oh, you know. Hey, Sarah. How how you feeling this morning, Sarah? Well, Abraham, I got a back problem here. I need a hip hip replacement here. (laughs) A possible knee replacement here, Abraham, but otherwise I feel the same. Oh well, glory to God, we're gonna have it anyway. They held on, and Satan came with mind battles after mind battles after mind battles to get Sarah to reason against the promise of God. She could see Abraham. He was firmly planted in the promise. God spoke to you, Abraham. It must be that you're going to be the one that's going to bring forth this son. So Abraham, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you Hagar, my my handmaiden, and maybe we can bring this promise to pass. But I'm going to tell you, Hagar wasn't mentioned in the promise. Oh, God put Sarah's name in the promise. And I'm gonna tell you, even like Tabernacle, God put your name in the promise. And ain't enough devils, ain't enough old age, ain't enough sugar diabetes, ain't enough cancer, can defeat the purpose of God. Twenty-five years they held on. Every Sunday. Every Wednesday, every day that ends in Y, they got up, or she, Abraham did. He had to encourage her a little bit. Come on, honey, don't be disappointed. One day, it all was about to change. Come down in a whirlwind, picked up 16 elements, stepped out. Almighty God, He had a purpose. Today is a special day, Gabriel. Today is a special day, Michael. Today is a special day, Wormwood. I'm going to visit my man. I'm going to visit Abraham. But I'm also going to visit Sarah. She's been struggling. She's been having mind battles. Oh, she's been made fun of. She's been ridiculed. She's been, she's been disappointed. She's been depressed. I mean, oh my, she's been hoping and praying and believing that this was going to be the day she'd feel something different inside. Oh, but this is going to be the day. And when the Lord met Abraham, where? Notice his first comment. Abraham, where is thy wife? Sarah, not Hagar. He mentions who she is. What did he do? He placed her in the promise a second time. To reassure Sarah that that promise he gave 25 years ago was intended for her and Abraham. Where is thy wife Sarah? Sarah. And he says now in verse 10, Genesis 18, 9, verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. How can this be? Think of it. I mean, this man's nuts. Going to come in here and disrupt my day, get my husband all excited again about this promise. We've been hearing about this promise for 25 years, and here he is. See, Abraham picked up on something. Sarah missed it. But Sarah missed it. She laughed. Not only did she laugh, because right immediately after, he said, Why for does Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything impossible with the God that we serve? Sarah lied in the face of God. said, I didn't laugh. Lied in his face. Laughed and lied. And the prophet of God said, God should have destroyed her right then. He said, God would have destroyed her right then but she was tied to Abraham. She was tied to the promise. Ooh. She was tied to the promise. She was tied to the purpose. Oh, what are you saying, Brother Joe? I'm telling you, even in light, I'm telling you, bride, that you're tied to the promise. And God's got a purpose. And let me tell you, in the face of your shame, in the face of your ridicule, God can't destroy you because you're tied with Christ. And let me tell you, and if God can't destroy you and, and God can't defeat you because you're tied to that promise, you're yoked with him, then that tells me that ain't a devil in hell can destroy you either. So why are you worried about, all oh, what this one's done and what this one's doing and what this one's doing? Let me tell you, God is on your side. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Miss you little Sarah, God had saw you in the plan of God, God had saw you in His purpose, and that purpose is going to come to pass. Right. It's going to come to pass. Musicians, won't you come? Let me skip down here. See, Abraham and Sarah's life displayed a mystery what God was going to do in the end time take a people turn him back to a young age so that he can fulfill his promise. God's visitation that day wasn't specifically for Abraham because Abraham was strong in the promise. But his purpose was for Sarah. I got to let Sarah know. I got to let Sarah know. I got to let, let Sarah know she's part of this plan. I got to let Sarah know. Those 25 years of holding on. Anxiety has overwhelmed her. Depression seemed to get her down. Wrinkles crawling all over her face. Disappointments. Hardships. Struggles. Trials. Sickness in the body. Needing hip replacement. knee replacement. Brain replacement. But I got to let her know. And why did God come in this age? Why did God come in this hour? To let Sarah know. I got a purpose. I got a purpose for you. Look, church, denominations missed it. It wasn't for them. But it's only for the elect. Only for the elect. The purpose of God prevailed for 25 years. God's purpose was never defeated. Oh, it lingered and it lingered and it looked like things got worse and things got worse and political system fell apart and our government trying to entrap us in our homes and fears and things like that but God has a purpose and nothing will defeat the purpose of God nothing will defeat the purpose of God happy should we be tonight I don't know what you've been going through but I know for me, I can I can testify. Trials of this life—they're weary. They get you down. But we got to do like David: encourage ourselves in the Lord. And as I begin to study this, I begin to reflect on the last three to four years, situations because we all face those things, things that are that rub us. Man, I tell you, sometimes you just don't want to be rubbed, do you? You want to be a diamond, but good Lord, can there be an easier process? There's not. You want to be a pearl of a great price, but there's only one way. You've got to have the friction. I want you to bow your heads for a minute. And I want to share something with Brother Aaron. I'm not trying to be too personal, but this dream that I had the other night, Brother Aaron and I were holding some meetings Somewhere, I'm not sure where I was preaching and I was closing at the end of the service. Brother Aaron, you looked at me and you said, Brother Joe, go after my dad. Go after my dad. I come out of the... walk down off the platform... And immediately begin to run toward his dad's way or make my way toward his dad's way. And it was in a service. And as I was walking down the aisle, I was bumped by this. And I was bumped by that. And I was rubbed by this one. And I was hindered by this one. And it seems like church, we're we're either bumped by our fears We're bumped by our depressions. Things of this world begin to rub on us and bump us and get us out of source, Trying to stop the blessings of God. Now, I never made it to Brother Ross in my dream. But when I woke up, this thought came to me. You'll not be broken. You'll not be defeated. Brother Ross, God's plan for your life will not be defeated. I may have not made it to you in my dream, but I'm making it to you tonight. The purpose of God for your life will not be defeated. I'm about to pray for you. Father, You got a need, he's present. You got a need, he's present. I'll sing that song that you were singing when I before I came out. Uh, cover me. I think there's ever was a time, say, Lord, cover me isn't it right now. Lord, cover me right now. Cover me from all my anxieties, Lord. Cover me from my fears, God. Cover me from my failures and disappointments, Lord. Cover me tonight with your wings, oh, God. Cover me with your strength, Lord. God, it feels like I'm going to break. God, cover me tonight. Oh, cover me through the storm
1: cover only in you only in you but there I'm